ready to get inspired. This, this is the Go for the Goldie podcast. Good evening from Frisco, Texas. It's April 21st, 2021, and today's guest is very special. A former sportscaster, she's now the founder of The Unsealed. Let's welcome Lauren Brill to the show again. Lauren, thanks for being patient here. Much appreciated. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I want to dive right into it. Well, first of all, I would like to say publicly, you are a superhero for jumping in at the 11th hour a couple weeks ago when I needed a guest. Someone bailed and you were the first person to be like, you know what? I'm going to do, you know, I, I, I'm here if you need me. Got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, it really is yeah. much appreciated. So thank you. No problem. I've been there before. So many times I've needed someone. So I, I know what it's like. Yeah, I was uh, kind of panicking. And then, but, you know, someone jumped in right before you. And uh, when I saw what you did, though, I was like, wow, I uh, definitely have to, you know, reschedule and make make time for you on the show. So, um, yeah, this is this is really exciting stuff. So let's dive right into it. Um, I'd love to have you kind of give a quick introduction about who you are and, you know, what you do. So I uh, am a, an entrepreneur. I started a company called The Unsealed. It is a company that shares stories in the form of open letters, and the open letters are all inspirational or they promote equality, and they're meant to encourage unity and encourage strength and compassion in our world, and they're, again, all inspiring. Um, I ghostwrite most of the letters, all the featured letter content. People can also submit their own content for our community voices section. We do a weekly conversation on various issues and topics that are meant to give people a safe space to have important conversations, whether they're conversations about social inequality or post-traumatic stress disorder or anything else that people are coping with in their day-to-day lives. Prior to the Unsealed, I was a sportscaster and a sports writer. I've been nominated for seven Emmys. I won an AP Sports Award. So I had a, a pretty um, extensive career in sports. I worked in on TV in te- for 10 years. And prior to that, I was a writer for the NBA and for many other outlets. And during my time as a sportscaster, I kind of grew more passionate about social issues. And I really was inspired by all the start stories I was telling, all the people overcoming adversity. And they gave me courage to share my own story. And unfortunately, when I was 16 years old, I went to a party with two of my best friends. Kids from another school showed up and they gave us drinks. And I remember having one, two sips of that drink. And my very next memory was being naked on bed with two boys I didn't know who were assaulting me. And it was a secret I kept for nine years. I was, I tucked it away. I really couldn't process it at first. And then it was just too painful to, to deal with. And then eventually, because of my career as a sportscaster and because of all the stories I told about other people, I got the courage to share my story in the form of an open letter. And the open letter went viral. And that was the inspiration to start The Unsealed when I saw the impact of my letter. I thought, what if I could take my story or my ability to write and apply it to other people's stories and give um, amplify the voices of other people through my ability to write. And so that's how The Unsealed came about and how the sportscasting career ties into um, what I'm doing now. Wow, that is, um, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that, that obviously very personal uh, story there. I know that's obviously, I'm sure, not easy for you to keep revisiting or talk about, but um, I think being open like that and transparent is definitely something that is inspirational and you know motivating for people and especially like 
you know, with, with what you do now has to be incredibly um, just fulfilling, you know, in your day to day. I mean, you have to wake up every day just just so grateful for the platform and opportunity that you have to, to provide for people that are, you know, not, maybe not similar situations, but in situations yeah. where they have to get things off their chest and don't know where to turn, right? Yeah, I mean, and for me, I chose an open letter because I didn't want to just tell my story. I wanted to use my story to help someone else, mm -hmm. to inspire someone else, to give wisdom to someone else so that my story happened for a reason, right? Like if it just happened and it hurt me and that's that stinks, right? But if it happened, it hurt me, but then I use it to show people that they can overcome challenges, that they can still achieve their dreams. Then all of a sudden my story has a purpose. And so that's why the open letter format was one that I chose when I initially shared my story and one that I stuck with when I decided to start a company. And so for me, the more I share my story now, the less pain I feel because the more purpose my story has and the more strength and power I see in myself and in my story when I share it. So as hard as it is to talk about what happened, I think it was a lot harder to hold it in. So I think it's, it's yeah, it's something that I'm really proud that I've done. And it's something that every day I wake up excited to share people's stories and, and not even just let them release pain, but also let them share their point of view and perspective. We've done a lot of stories about race and sexism and LGBTQ plus community. And it's not always trauma that people are releasing. It's simply their perspective and the experiences they have that will allow people to relate to them and be more compassionate and um, understanding of the world we live in and the different way each of us experiences the world. Yeah, and, and so I'll tell you, I think, you know, what you're doing is, um, especially in this time, everything seems to be left and right, black and white, up and down, you know what I mean? It just seems to be very binary in the way that people yeah. think. And pick a side. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like pick a team and blindly follow it. And there's nuance to every discussion out there. I mean, there is. And I think that we what sometimes get lost is maybe the idea of a, we're a collective. You know, we're we're a yeah, all humans. community. You know, we're a, like if you think about our country, your state, your city, whatever, however you want to break it down. You know, even just if there's a room of ten random people, those ten random people have had ten very different experiences on Earth, and yeah but we all experience similar human emotions that's so right, that's yeah. what connects us all yeah. so i was during the pandemic i was watching this episode of law and order and it was about a girl who was drugged in high school and then like years later went back and found out who did it or knew or knew all along and like murdered them or whatever and then when she got caught she's like expressing all the pain she felt thankfully i haven't murdered anyone so, so i didn't relate to that part but Knock when on she wood. Was, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, so, but she was crying and releasing all this pain that she felt from what happened to her 20 years prior. She was about, you know, my age, she was in her thirties and, and crying what happened 15, 20 years ago. And I related it to so, so, so much. And I started crying and I started really thinking about what I was doing with the unsealed and what I realized, and I wrote this and I posted it. I said that when I was assaulted, I never found out who assaulted me, but those boys, they didn't know that I was tutoring my friends. They didn't know that I was a loving daughter. They didn't know that I was president of my class or being recruited to play soccer in college. Like they didn't know anything about me. Like to them, I wasn't a person. And what I say is with the unsealed, I'm trying to unseal the humanity in us all so that we realize that we all see the humanity in each other. If we can see that 
whether someone is whatever race or whatever gender or whatever sexual orientation or whatever part of the country for they are in or whatever whatever they believe in whatever religion we still have this common denominator of living this human experience we all feel love we all feel pain we all feel sadness we all feel disappointment we all feel excitement we all feel happiness and and we can relate to those emotions even if we don't have the exact same experiences that catalyze those emotions i love that and we yeah that's a that's a crazy powerful unifying force i i just I obviously, when you, we first talked about you know getting together and, and talking here, um, I, I, that video even that you produced that's you know on the homepage of your website is you know powerful enough. I showed it to my fiance. My fiance actually is watching right now, and she wrote, um, "Well, super powerful." Her name's Jenny, so if you want to you know give Jenny a shout. Out. Hi, Jenny. Thank you for watching my story. I appreciate it. She's been looking forward to this for a while, and believe me, she does not really look forward to many of these. So consider Aww. yourself that, uh, consider that a uh, very high compliment. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the support. Um, so I, I mean, obviously, you're what you're doing is incredible, and very you're obviously very passionate about it. And I mean, we could talk for seven hours just in the one minute that you talk. You know, when you introduce yourself, there's a lot to unpack there. But <laughs> I. Um, you know, and we haven't really talked about, you know, talked outside of, you know, just setting this up. But um, the point of this show is to talk to people who are doing really cool, inspirational type stuff and um, to motivate those to to not just kind of drudge through life, to, 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 to yeah. pursue their passions, whatever that may be. And I try to get as many different people from as many different walks of life doing as many different things to if I could just like you said change one person's you know perspective on the world for the better I mean that's that's the point of this so I'm always interested in people's journeys and now I know you said you know pretty high level you know starting with the story about when you were 16 and all that and yeah. um, so early on did you know you wanted to be a sportscaster or where did that enter your life obviously you were an athlete so uh, yeah you're in that world so um, kind of take us through that because I, I love learning like life takes so many crazy twists and turns you know who would have thought that when you were 16 you'd be doing this you know later on in life and who knows where you're yeah going. like whoever thought that like I would write letters for a job right, right. but um but but there's funny things that happened through the years that that almost foreshadowed this and I look back I'm like that is really weird you know like that <laughs> is really weird but um but not as early as as a child when I was uh, when I was eight years old, actually even before that, when I was six years old, my dad bought Rangers tickets, New York Rangers, I'm from New York, for my brother, for his birthday or for a holiday. And I was like, excuse me, do you think because I'm a girl, I don't want to go? And my dad was like, okay. Lesson learned, lesson learned. Yeah, he was like, all right, you can, you know, so we had it, he bought his tickets for him and then he bought them for me. And my brother played hockey, so he had like a, um, a group of hockey parents that all chipped in to do season tickets so that they could take their kids over and over. Cool. So my dad had to switch off between me and my brother. And then over time, my brother was like, dad, I don't really, I don't really want to go. Like, this isn't that much fun for me. And I was like, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And at the time I had wanted to be an actress, but I realized pretty quickly I wasn't that good of an actress. So that was a problem. And I didn't really like being in plays or anything because it was indoors. It was like so stagnant. And I was more of an outside athlete and always want and hyper. Like I had a lot of energy. Okay. So my dad takes me to this hockey game when I was in fifth grade. It was the year after the Rangers won the Stanley Cup and they were in the playoffs. And this woman comes up to us 
and she's like, hey, like, I have front row seats or second row seats for this game, but I only have one ticket left. I'm an executive for ABC, and my dad used to take me to games, and I, you know, I just think it's cool you're here with your dad. Would you want to come sit with me? Like, peace out, dad. Front row, I'm out. And so then I'm sitting there, and we actually found a seat not too far from us that was empty that my dad got to sit in too. So he got a good seat too. But um, the Rangers lost that night, but we were talking the whole night, and she was a VP for ABC's, ABC Sports. And I was asking her about her career, and I was like, wait a minute, television, sports? I don't have to act? This is perfect. I can get paid to go to games. And it clicked all in that moment. I want to be a sportscaster. And then from that moment on, I think I was, it was fifth grade. So I, w- I think I was nine or 10. From that moment on, it was like, that's it. I'm going to be a sportscaster. And nothing was going to stop me. And I really believe that because I wanted it so badly, I, I was having problems after my assault. I lost 30 pounds. I wasn't focusing. I wasn't myself. But I wasn't going to let it stop me becoming from becoming a sportscaster. So a lot of the things I was coping with, the the dream was more was stronger than my fears so because the dream was so strong and and the passion was so so strong it forced me to leave my comfort zone it forced me to face many of my fears it forced me to walk in a dark parking lot at night which as a sexual assault survivor is horrifying but i had to i had to be able to get from the arena to my car to cover a game so i had to figure it out so my sports casting dream that plant that was seated when i that that was my, the plant that was the seed that was planted. There we go. The seed that was planted when I was nine, ten years old, ended up being the thing that saved me when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-five so years old. Wild. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. That um, life just has a funny way of working itself out. You know, it. Um, and if you're not paying attention, there's a lot of these things that go by because you could have said no to that executive, right? Like, you could have just said, no, nah, I'm not going to send those seats. I want to be with my dad. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there was no chance I was saying no to front row rangers. I, we were sitting up high. Like. <laughs> also, I got to say, too, you were like, um, you're like, it was the year after the rangers won the cup. I just want to be like, oh, humble brag. You know, me from Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I actually, so so I, I actually was at a, my very first job in sports was as a writer for the NBA. And there wasn't enough seats one day at, um, in the Knicks press box. So they're like, oh, that seat's empty. The person's not here. And I look at the name and it's a woman. And there aren't a lot of, especially this is now going back to 10, 15, a little more than 10, 15 years ago almost, um, there wasn't a lot of women in sports. There was a couple every time you go, but it's like one, two, three, and everyone else is men. So anytime I saw a woman's name, I was like, who is this? I want to know what their background is. I want to know who they are. I want to know how they got here. And so I see this name, Lydia Stevens, and I look her up. And I remember the woman I sat next to in that hockey game was a speed skater, an executive, and worked at ABC Sports. So I Googled this woman's name. She's the head of MSG. Wow. She's a speed skater, worked at ABC, and, and is an executive. And sh- and sure enough, it was her. And I emailed her. I'm like, do you remember me? And we had a meeting, and, and we're still in touch. And that was after not seeing her for, however, from 10 to 22. That is and so, so you're cool. The reason I yeah. yeah I, um, like I told you before we got on, I, I moved here to work for FC Dallas. And um, it was it was cool because there were a lot of really powerful women in I mean obviously it's it's changing you know and um, yeah. Gina Miller is someone who uh, with FC Dallas she's like 
she's a pretty much like an icon in the Dallas area, you know, the DFW area, and it's it's so cool to like. It, it was it, to be in her presence and to see, you know, she, she honestly, you remind me a lot of her, just very <laughs> motivated and driven. And you knew from a young age that you wanted to do this. And um, I love to see it because I think diversity, you get, like you talked about earlier, it's, you get a, a perspective um, from all different angles that I think just makes the overall product just a better experience. Yeah, but, but I think that we see more women in sports now and more and more all the time, but we still have such a long way to go. I think that women are still getting paid less. I think that the, with the opportunities women are getting are often, not for everyone, but I, I think they're, they limit a lot of women. So, you know, we still don't see a lot of women doing uh, color analyst or play by play. There are some, but there are a lot more men, but we see a lot of women on the sidelines. So it, we're, they still, um, there's still the, the people are still putting women in a box mm -hmm. and people are still paying women less. And that's a problem, too, because oh, then you sure. tell somebody they're they're valued less. Right. And then that's an attitude that gets played out in in society. And that gets played out in sexual harassment and sexual violence because, well, that a woman's less valuable than me. So why should I treat her any better? Yeah. So all those messages are, are getting embedded in our society. So yeah, we have more women, but I think there's a lot more work to do in, in really creating equal opportunity. I mean, For you sure. look at the NFL, they're trying, but there's still not a lot of female scouts. There's still very few female coaches. Um, I think most of them are, well, there's some some coaches, but you don't see them at the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator positions. But now they're trying to build a culture where they, they can work their way up. They haven't even had the pipeline for it in the past. Right, right. So now they're trying to create those pipelines, but it's still it's still a ways away until we have a, a female head coach in the NFL, I think, and that's, that's that's something we need to work on. There's plenty of women who are, love football and who are capable of coaching football and, and who can learn the game and, and gain the players' respect, but we got to create those opportunities. So more agree. women are in sports, but it still needs to, the, the field still needs to be level, uh, evened out in a lot of ways for um, for many reasons. I think I, I think a lot of times you think, I, I think I could tend to think of stuff like that, like, um, like changes in, you know, social attitudes, like, like a barge on, in the ocean, right? Like it's not like a speedboat making a U-turn. A lot of time it's like yeah. a barge, you know, it's it's turning, but maybe not, Oh yeah. you know, and um, it, there's definitely a shift taking place, which is awesome to see, but you're right. I mean, it's it's something that's gonna take time and effort. And this, and this translates, I think, to just all aspects, you know, because change is hard for people, right? And yeah. there's a lot of people who are stuck in their ways who don't want to think differently. And and when and I think when you think a certain way, sometimes you don't see it yourself. Like, you're like oh, but that's just how it is. Like, that's just where women belong, or that's just where how. And you're like, well, wait a minute, and you have and people can't see it because it's just so embedded in their attitudes and embedded in in the way they think and the way they see the world. And it's just a matter of continuing to push, continuing to fight. Women have to be themselves and stand up for themselves. And I think I think my generation is doing that. And I think the next generation is doing it even more. I think mm -hmm. girls now, they, they grew up with the Me Too movement. Yeah. So speaking up is 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 encouraged. Yeah. And I think my mother's generation, it wasn't encouraged to speak up about anything. Right. You had a problem, just you know deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like yeah. it's so I think that there is progress and I think that my generation, the next generation, they're not gonna. T we're not gonna tolerate uh, a lot of things that have been tolerated in the past, and that's a good thing. I think you so too. That. Like you talked yeah. about earlier, I think something, and this is I'm guilty of it too. I think I think it's so hard to live outside of your comfort zone. It's yeah, and I think 
people not seeing potential is easy because if you live in your comfort zone, it will just never happens that potential. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then for the people that do challenge their way of thought, I mean, this is like an exercise that I, I really, I focus on this. It's, I think this way. And then I intrinsically like challenge myself. Well, why do I think this way? Let me yeah. look at other schools of thought, you know, like on Twitter and on Facebook, I follow just opposites on everything because, oh, I that's wanna, awesome. you know, because it's inherently, if you, if you, you know, think a specific way, well, you tend to follow people that agree with you and you just create this echo chamber and you just go down that road to the point where if you hear a differing opinion on something, you're just, you can't even fathom that school of thought where I'm always like, I'm the sum of a Challenge lot of thoughts. Me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, and, I think it's, and it's uncomfortable for people to do that because it is easy to just solidify a way of thought and you know when you're 25 just be like all right well this is me now and i'm going to write this out you know and, and that's why there's so much value in seeing other people's stories and hearing listening to people's stories because we all experience the world through our own lens right i'm walking through the world as a white woman with long brown hair and that has that comes with certain experiences that it doesn't come with if you're a black man right so like we experience the world differently the way what happens to me when i walk into a certain situation is different than someone of a different race or different gender or different situation mm -hmm. so i'm you have to be very cognizant of that but the only way to be cognizant of that is by listening to other people's stories and it's so important to also be opening open to listen to other people's ideas because that's how you get better. Yeah. Like I have my company and I do everything my way and I, I brought someone else on board to help me uh, part time and she's like, I don't mean to be rude, but I think this, this, this. And I'm like, this is great because now you're challenging me to push further and do things that I haven't done or I haven't thought of or maybe I was doing wrong and I didn't even realize it because nobody points it out. I don't want someone who's gonna do exactly what I do because then I already have myself. Right. And I think it's so important to have people who are going to challenge you and who are going to question you and who are going to tell you, hey, I don't, I don't think that's right. Even if you don't agree with them, then you can kind of have a hash it out. And then you see what they see. It, it's problematic in your situation and your school of thought. And you say what's problematic in their school of thought. And then you find a solution that's probably better. That's and right. I think that's how the world grows. And that's how we as people grow. And that's why it's so important to be open-minded. I like to say, uh, Smart people know that they don't know everything, but brilliant people know they know absolutely nothing because yep. there's just too much information in this world. Well, and, and, so and the reverse. And the and I think the reverse too, when you meet someone that just is like, Oh no, I definitively know this and just like Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to say it. I say, I say not so smart people think they know everything. Yeah, I don't I'll want to mean that. I'll take the hate for that. I'll say it. <laughs> trying to be nice, but yeah. No, because I, I really do believe that because I think the more that you learn the more that you realize all the stuff that you don't know, you know? Yeah, there's so much out there. You unlock one door and it unlocks 10 more. And then you go in one of those doors and it unlocks 10 more. And you're like, oh my God, what don't I know? And then you meet someone who's like definitively like, no, I know this. And it's like, do you? I, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and starting a business, I'll tell you, that'll humble you because you're like, I have this idea and this idea. And you're like, sure, some idea is gonna work or some strategy. And then you fall flat on your face. And then all of a sudden something else is working and you're like, why is that working like that yeah. was by accident <laughs> like what is going on like when i started i thought i needed to get all high profile stories and that's how my my company would succeed 
And like I would, I did a high profile story and no one read it. And then I did a story about a mom who had a child with Down syndrome. And this is stories going viral across the country. And I'm like, what is going on? And I realized it was relatable. Yeah. There were so many people who had children with, with special needs. Every mom with special needs in the world shared the story. Whereas someone who's an NFL coach, well, it was a powerful, good story. It wasn't necessarily as relatable because there's only X amount of professional um, coaches in the world. Right, right. Yeah, they look at that. and they, No, that, that makes that makes sense. But it, again, it's not, I think the biggest thing to, to you know, I, the advice I think to take from that is just start, you know, just if you have a passion, just start going in that direction. You figure it out as you go, right? And there were some really weird things with starting the Unsealed because I never, I, I never saw, I, I knew that I wanted to take sports casting do, for a while and then do something else. I always knew that in the back of my health, head that there was something else out there, but I didn't know what. And I really grew this strong passion for social justice. And I kept saying, I want to be an advocate and a journalist. So I knew that I was going in that direction. But I, I used to say, someday I'm going to have my own business and live on the beach. Like that was my ideal life. And I would just say it in jest. And I live in Miami Beach or Miami. I live in Miami. Um, not too far from the beach and I have my own company. And then before my 30th birthday, I wrote a book and it was meant to be 30 lessons I learned before turning 30. And I'm writing this, yeah, I'm writing this book and I ended up writing it in the form of open letters. This is, this is years before I started the Unsealed. It was like three, two or three years before I had the idea for the Unsealed. So it's a book of open letters and it's like, dear Miss Ambitious and dear Miss Brokenhearted. And it's really two different parts of myself and different experiences that I had. And I'm like writing this book every night I'm working on it. And I'm like, what the hell am I writing this book for? Like, I'm not going to publish it. Like, what is, like, what is, what am I doing? And I get still I'm like right in a way. And then at the end of the book, I, I write, I finally figured out like why I wrote, like, no, I, that I, I at the end of the book, I wrote, you know, sometimes we don't know why we want to do something, but if we want to do something, we should just pursue it. And the reason will um, reveal itself. And in the beginning of the book, I wrote that I wanted to change the world one day, but I didn't know how. And at the end of the book, I wrote, I finally know how I'm going to change the world by allowing my truth to help you discover yours. Wow. So that's a pretty that like, transformative. I mean, that's that's like a live, a live look into the thought process of. Yeah, the future. Like literally I say, like, don't worry why you're writing, doing something. If you have a strong desire to do it just do it. And that's what I did with this book. And then at the end of the book, I like I, the light went off. I, I realized I'm going to change the world by allowing my truth to help you discover yours. And that's what I've done. I've shared my truth about my, the worst thing that happened to me, that worst moment of my life, the most vulnerable moment of my life. And I use it to encourage other people to open up about their pain and their truths and their experiences and, and relate to people. And it's just so interesting that I wrote this line and I wrote this book and it was letters nonetheless. And and then two, three years later, this is what I ended up doing and really felt like when I started this, I felt like I found my purpose. And I knew it when, when I was a sportscaster, I was always thinking about the next job, the next opportunity, the next market. I was working, working, but I was always chasing something. Mm-hmm. I was always chasing what's next. And I wrote a, a piece in the beginning of my business. And I go, I finally feel like I'm not chasing what's next, but I'm chasing what's right now. And a year and a half later, I still feel that way. I'm not chasing, I'm not using this to as a launching pad to what's next. I'm using this 
for this. Like, it, this is about building what I have right now and not moving on to something else. And I've never felt that way before in any other job or any other uh, experience. It was like, this is what I want. So I think what you're, what you're talking about right now, I think is that drug that every, like not everyone, but like the most, most people chase in their life. You know, it's, it's get this job when you're young and I'm going to try to climb the ladder or, you know, I'm going to use this job to get another job. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you know, and retire and it's unfulfilled. Right. I mean, if, Imagine yeah, you're always thinking. Yeah, yeah. If you're always thinking, what's next? What's next? And then, um, because you know you're not fully in, involved in what you're doing. Like if you're just living for the weekends, or, you know, yeah, that's that's right. And I mean, so I'll share a personal story with you. My my dad, um, he was a truck driver. So he graduated high school when he was 16, and he, um, um, you know, just went. He he. he graduated at 16 went for a, a semester at like community college and then just new college wasn't for him got into truck driving and drove from the time he was 17 years old or 18 to he had to retire early because he had back issues well yeah. he um he wound up overdosing on opioids and he died oh, the back injury yeah sorry yeah and it was a year into his retirement and you know experience seeing firsthand his life i mean being a truck driver is obviously not a very easy job it's yeah you know he he got a hernia an umbilical hernia at one point because you have to like lift the dollies to transfer the the trucks like just all kinds of crazy and you know the wacky driving yeah yeah driving is horrible for your back sitting like this for hours and you know the, the the hours that you work and you know weekends and overnights and the things that he missed you know growing up and stuff so i mean that that lit a fire under my ass, I'll tell you, because I was 28 when he, or 29 when he died, and I was at a job that I just was unfulfilled with. It was just, you know, it was a paycheck I got, living for the weekends, you know, it was that kind of thing. And something like that completely just shifted my mindset, you know, and it was, um, but it, I mean, that, that just, that changed my mindset to like what you're talking about, where I had to find something fulfilling. And it's one of these things yeah. that I'm not going to give it up until. So even like this, this isn't a job for me. I don't make a penny doing this, but this is fulfilling to me because this is going to go on the internet to live forever. And in 10 years from now, someone could listen to this and it changes their life. That's amazing to me. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that story, but I just... Oh, you're, you're going about, you're, the way you were going is that, is that it's important to find something that you love and be yeah. fulfilled because at the end, what do you, what, what do you want to have? What do you want to look back and have? Your you're dad right. had a lot of struggle and and he didn't chase his dreams and i think it's it is important it is very important to find something that gets you to wake up in the morning and people people think you have to have a whole plan figured out right like this is how we're going to do this and this is this and, and, and if you wait to have it all figured out you're never going to start because you never have it figured out and like once you have something figured out then a global pandemic happens and got to yep. change it all yep. so like yeah you're constantly adapting and constantly adjusting. And when I started, I didn't really tell my parents this, but I had no idea how I was going to make money. I was like, oh, no, no, I got it, I got it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I got a plan. We're going to get sponsored. Like, it'll be fine. And I just started. And I started doing motivational speaking, not because I actually wanted to do motivational speaking, because I was like, I need to make money right away. So my parents aren't like, okay, go get a job. So um, so that was my plan. And it was like, okay, I'll do motivational speaking. And I'll just, 
I don't, I didn't really like public speaking at the time. I actually love it now that I started doing it, but I was like, everyone's staring at me. I can deal with a camera, but like people and eyes and expressions, like, whoa, I don't like that. <laughs> but I was like, I had to do it. I had to get out of my comfort zone to do, to do that so that I could build, had give myself the time and space to build the unsealed. So I started doing public speaking. And then while I was doing public speaking, I started to, to figure out how to make money from the site. And it's just, it's constantly changing. And I'm, I'm still trying to think of new ideas, but you, you I figure it out as you go along. Yeah. Like if you, have a, if you have a plan all laid out, that's wonderful. But I mean, half of it, you're not gonna even follow through with, or half of it's gonna change when you start doing things. Cause you're gonna see, well, this doesn't work and this has to be there. And this, this resource needs to be allocated there. So you can have a plan, but don't expect to follow it. And if you don't have a plan, have a vague one and just go for it and see what happens. But like follow your heart because when you, are passionate about something, you will work your butt off. Yep. And when you work out your butt off, good things happen. That's but it's just um, it's the Mike Tyson. My one of my favorite quotes from Mike Tyson is uh, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, and that's Yeah. <laughs> that's that was the right? mouth, you get back up again and you you keep fighting. That's so right. yeah. That's um, it, that, that was this year. Everyone got punched in the mouth. You know, how are you gonna yeah. react to it, you know? Yeah, I had nine speaking engagements that got canceled in the month of March, and I was like, all right. But then I started focusing on developing the, the more of a business on the site, and I did, and it grew a lot, and now I have the foundation there, and now I'm just trying to put together the speaking and the and the website so that the two communities collide. But I was able to build a foundation, and it's about adapting to the situation at hand and figuring out what's in front of you. And with a business, that never changes. You never are like, oh, I have it all figured out. I'm done now. I'm just going to... Stretch out, relax, and watch the money come in. I mean, it's, I've never seen it happen, and it certainly hasn't happened yet for me. That's right. I think that's that's right. constant. You're constantly adapting, and you're constantly evolving, and you're constantly figuring out new ways to grow and to sustain the product you currently have. Yeah, and so I think that's. I mean, like if you think about your your business is not where it was when it started a couple years ago, and it's certainly not going to be where it is. In 10, 15, 20 years from now. Right? Not where it was a month ago. I mean, it constantly changes it. But I think that to be able to have the fortitude to wake up every morning and be like, I'm going to figure this out, you have to love it. You have to care. You have to be passionate. Yeah. And so when people are like, oh, I want to do something that makes me money. I was like, well, you're not going to make money if you don't like it because you're going to quit. You're going to get yeah. tired. You're going to burn out because you need something stronger that drives you to keep going every day and push you because it is hard. It is tiring. It is a lot, a lot of work. Um, but I found something that for me, isn't just about me. It's bigger than me. It's using whatever I have inside of me, whatever pain I felt, whatever emotions I had been carrying for so long and using that to help other people and change perspectives and change ideas and maybe even hopefully prevent some bad things from happening in the world because we gave somebody hope or we gave someone perspective. So I think when you, when I, I think for me seeing that my work is bigger than me and it's not just about me, it made me say, all right, this is, I'm sticking with this. I I'm, love that. I'm, That's incredible stuff. I mean, I was going to ask you too, to kind of loop in, I'm taking notes as we go here. Cause I, uh, I played football for a long time. So I got a lot of hits to the head. So I got to write things down. A corner? Forget. I was, I guess. Corner? Are you corner? I Safety? A, I was a slot receiver. Wes Walker was my hero. Oh! So, yeah. <laughs> Um, but when you wrote a, when, that um, 
the book ish that kind of turned into kind of a running dialogue or whatever. Do you do you have that published? Is that anywhere that you know? No, nope, I do not. Okay, I do I, not. I'm I'm planning on writing another book because I've grown so much as a writer since then. Now I'm like I'm not publishing that. That's why I'm like there's a couple <laughs> pieces that are good. The last chapter where I wrote um my um, I'm going to use my truth to help you discover yours. That I did publish on the Unseal. That is on the Unseal. Oh, okay, so you cool. see that last letter, which really captures why I wrote this book and what I discovered about myself. Um, it's cool. It's it's very cool to see your own evolution and see the light bulb go off in your own head and then see it attached to something that you do years later. And it kind of foreshadowed what I ended up doing. But it kind of showed me that in life, we're building towards things that we don't even realize, that our conscious mind doesn't know. Mm-hmm. I was building toward the unsealed years before I built the unsealed. I was, maybe I was getting ready to write letters. Maybe I would, that was formulating the idea, but I certainly had this concept that I wanted to use my truth to inspire others. And I didn't even share my sexual assault at that point. I, that my sexual assault, I wrote the book in 2015 and I shared my letter about sexual assault in 2017. Wow. So that was, it really was before I even spoke up, but I, I had, I knew that I guess subconsciously or even maybe a little bit consciously that that was something that I was moving toward. Wow. That's incredible. And I, what you just said, I think is a really powerful statement that I don't know if too many people are aware of. I mean, I I say this all the time, like even if, you semi enjoy what you're doing get a hobby find a passion and pursue that outside of work and it leads and opens to so many different things and opens so many doors that like who would have thought that when you first came up with this idea you'd be where you're at and like you said you know so many events in your life have led up to this point you were unaware that that was that that was doing and i i I just kind of see life as um i don't know like maybe like a like a I don't want to say a brick wall because that is the wrong like connotation, but uh, maybe like a brick house or something where I just add a skill or a discipline or a habit, you know, something piece by piece. It's just because it's overwhelming to be like, all right, I'm going to flip my life around completely and quit my job. And yeah. go after this. Well, I had, I had like a transformative moment. So it all kind of came full circle when I was after I wrote the letter um, and published it and I wrote the book and all that stuff. I was up for a job for the MSG, MSG network. MSG is, is where I started going to hockey games with my dad. I was up for a hosting job for the devils. That's so and I was like, this is the job that my 10 year old self is like, oh my God, this is the dream job. And so it was down to me and one other person. They flew me and I didn't even apply for the job. They look randomly hurt found me and somebody recommended me. So they fly me in. I prepared like no other for the, for this job. They actually said I over-prepared. I did the audition and I go back and it's a week before I find out. So the days are ticking one day, two day, three day. I don't hear about this job. And, um, what the, this knot was overwhelming in my stomach. And I realized if I get this job, how am I going to be an advocate for social justice? How am I going to tell my stories? There was all these new passions that I had developed since I was, since I, my dream started at 10 years old that made me realize I don't want my dream job anymore. I'm scared <laughs> to get my dream job because if I get my dream job, I don't get to pursue my adult passions. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's a cognitive dissonance right there, yeah. right? I mean, that's... And so, so I ended up not getting the job. It went to a really talented young woman who... Um, 
who ended up accepting the position. And I was relieved. And I was like, okay, now that I realize, like, I don't want the dream that I wanted when I was 10 years old. It's the, the dream has changed. Yeah. I got to figure this out. And so I started traveling all over the country to meet with different people, met different jobs. And I realized the job I wanted didn't exist. I wanted to be an advocate. I wanted to empower people. I wanted to inspire people. And I also wanted to be a journalist. And journalism is this whole idea that you're, um, you're neutral and you're not, you don't give your opinion and you're not an advocate, you're, you're delivering the information. So it was like completely contradictory to what conventional journalism is. So I was like, well, how am I going to do this? And I realized if I wanted to, well, if I really wanted to follow my passion, if I really wanted to, to have what is now my dream job, I needed to create it. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to go after the seals. And it was this gut feeling of like, you have to do this. And I've had it, I had it before when I wanted to be a sportscaster. It was like, I have to do this. I have to figure it out. And then I got this this jolt in my stomach again, where I was like, you need to go figure out how to start your own company. And and I knew when I had that feeling, because I had had it before, that nothing was going to get in my way. Like, this is something I was going to do. Like, I was going to knock down any barrier I needed. And, and if, if you told me no, I was going to do it anyway. Like, I would be homeless in my car figuring it out. I'll tell you, so, that's, that's something that what you just, like, that whole scenario that you just laid out, that, I mean, chills, because <laughs> I listened to, so many i'm an endurance athlete i'm a triathlete and um i spend hours on the treadmill and the bike and you see behind me but um i listen to so many youtube like motivational like movies and motivational like you know like hype videos and stuff like that and one of the common threads is just that it's just relentless like fanatical just passion and just finding that and then once you find that like what you want to just go after that as hard as you possibly can and that is contagious i mean everything everyone that you t because you could you could take your concept and put that in the hands of someone who is just out to do just to get the money with it and you're going to come out with two very different products one's going to oh, be yeah. successful and one's not and, you know, I mean, this, this is this is my heart on a website. <laughs> this is my heart on a website. And and if you read the stories that I write in my own voice, you'll really hear like who I am, what I'm about. Like, I'm really putting my whole heart into this. It, this is really something that allows me to be vulnerable in my own way. And it's it's also my way of healing. I'm not somebody who cries. I'm not somebody who. Um, who, who deals with emotion the way most other people deal with it. And so for me, my website is my healing. It's me getting my power back. Or not that I ever lost my power, but it's me recognizing my power and putting it into action. So it's coming from a place that is so real. It's coming from emotion. It's coming from my heart. And I think when, when you find that outlet, when you find that passion, when you find something that allows you to express yourself in a way that allows you to dig deep and, and really reveal who you are, that's special. And that's something that I don't think somebody else can repl replicate. It's, it's, you know, you can replicate maybe the business model, but you can't replicate the passion of the heart or the authenticity that, that people recognize when they see your work or read your work. And that's exactly so. the word that I was just going to say too. I think that especially nowadays that everyone does have a platform, you know, like who am I? I'm just some jamoke in my bedroom with a camera. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I have a passion for talking to cool people who are driven and passionate. And just like you, like your, your authenticity, I think is really the, at the core of everything that you've done because people can, 
people have BS meters. They really do. Exactly. They know when someone's trying to pull the wool over their eyes, and you obviously yeah. are not. I mean, from the moment I said hello to you, you're obviously very <laughs> driven and passionate and energetic, and I can only imagine, I'm sure you don't sleep too much because you're always thinking. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to actually lose. I gained a little weight and I, I during the quarantine somehow because I've been exercising. I don't know how, but I'm like, i got to sleep because when you don't sleep enough, it slows down your metabolism. Right. And I just like can't get myself to sleep because I'm too busy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, working until I fall asleep. I was like, i got to go to sleep. got to lose those I do this. I do this stupid thing. <laughs> I, um, my mind's always going a million miles an hour. I'm always thinking about stuff, but, and I don't know if you've experienced this too, but I wake up for some reason, I wake up at 3 a.m. every day. Every day I wake up at 3 a.m. and I call, it, I call it 3 a.m. thoughts. I go back to bed, but I call it 3 a.m. Okay. thoughts. I wake up, I grab a water, and I just walk around my apartment and I just think about stuff. I think about stuff I have to do, think about like visions for this show or like, some of the uh, like races I have coming up and I just like think about stuff and I'll write stuff down, I put it in my desk and I go back to bed. And those are when I have some of the most like creative like thoughts. I, I don't know what it is and I, I just can't turn well, Your mind relax. Yeah. So I've, I've done a lot of writing in the middle of the night because your mind is so relaxed and it, it, it's usually more like poetry or something more creative mm -hmm. because your mind isn't when I'm half asleep, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm almost like a trans. But I actually, I usually go to bed like two, three, because I worked in local news, right? So I used to get off at, at 11.30 after the 11 o'clock news, 11.45, I'd leave the, uh, leave the studio. So you, after you get home, you get home at 12.30, you need a couple hours to unwind. You can't right. just like turn off and go to bed. Yep. So for the past seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, I've been going to bed at two, three in the morning. So I'm already used to that. Yeah. But now I try to wake up around you know, nine. So if I'm going to bet three, three to nine, two to nine, it's, it's not terrible, no, but, uh, but I'm not definitely up all night. But I think that that creativity comes sometimes comes in the middle of the night um, because you're, you're more relaxed and nobody's calling you. No one's texting you. No one's emailing you because you're just in the middle of the night. So there's a, a peacefulness that allows for some level of clarity in the middle yeah. of the night. No, I agree with that too. I, and I never was an early riser and that's I've completely like, cause I used to work four to nine or I'm um, sorry, four to midnight. That was my shift when I worked. Or, or, yeah. So you get it. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking. I mean, I wasn't on the news. I was. <laughs> Wait, but this is schedule, right? You don't yeah. like, you don't come home at midnight and then be like, all right, I'm going to go right to bed. You're like, I'm going to you know, put on the TV. I'm going to change. I'm going to whatever. You just have to unwind a little bit. Exactly. And I was in sales. So I was all jacked up, you know, for eight hours. I'm trying to yeah. sling insurance policies, you know? So I was, exactly. I was not coming it. home tired or I was coming home like all wound up. Um, but I did want to, okay. So, you know, getting back to the unsealed, I did want to talk about that a little bit more in detail. Um, you know, I, I was going to ask you to share, obviously, <laughs> I, I don't want you to rank you know the stories but what are some of the more powerful you know if you could give us a couple examples you know yeah uh, I mean some every story has its, yeah every story has its own nuances and its own reason why I think they're powerful I mean some of them are more extreme situations we've done stories about a woman who at 11 years old was selling her her or was was not selling was at 11 years old she was having sex for food um wow. and she grew up and she got herself an education. She is married. She has kids. She is now mentoring young girls. So that story was incredible. She's an amazing woman. She actually wrote a book. Um, her name is Dorsey Jones. And then I've done a story about, you know, more 
common, I would say, challenges, like a young girl who had a stutter. And she wrote her letter to people who will meet her for the first time, basically asking them to be kind. This is my story. This is the pain I felt when people have made fun of me or been mean to me or have made comments. And this is why you should be kind. And her letter was really confident and powerful. And she's an amazing girl. She had a social anxiety for a long time because of her stutter. And then she ended up making a good group of friends and gained some confidence. She ran for president of her school, her class or school, and she won. Come gave on. a speech. She won. She won. She's amazing. And we wrote about that in her letter. And her letter went viral in her community. And her father called me nine months later. And she's only 16, 17 years old and said, I see a difference in my daughter. My daughter is more confident. She doesn't let things people say or do hit her as hard. She, she uh, lets it roll off her, her back a little bit more easily. Is that the expression, roll off her back? But she doesn't, she doesn't take it as to heart as much. And he said the letter and put it, putting her voice out there and seeing people's reaction to it really empowered her to be more resistant to the negativity out there. So, you know, it's not the most traumatic story in the world, but it's, it's traumatic for her. She yeah. had challenges and, it, and it's powerful and emotional for me to know that her sharing her story and me being a part of that journey made a difference. And um, when you're a 16 year old too, I mean, yeah. things are amplified when you're, especially as a female, like a 16 year old girl, female, yeah. like that's, that is, can we say and her name? She told, it's, are we allowed to say your name or is it? Is, Morgan. What is it? Morgan. 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 Shout out to Morgan. That's awesome. Keep it up. Or you're going to do great things in life. Um, she's amazing, right? Yeah. And when I, when she when she told me, she's like, well, I ran for school president. I'm like, how'd that go? I won. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's You're amazing. That's amazing. And she was like, really? And I was like, yes. And sometimes when we do great things and overcome adversity and, and do things that are really hard and challenging, we sometimes don't recognize it because it's just our lives right mm -hmm. but when we have the outside looking in and say like wow that's amazing you're like wait a minute i am pretty <laughs> badass <laughs> and it's important that y'all recognize that we've all got come overcome things because when we realize that we're strong we'll pursue things that are hard because we know we can handle it and when we go through something tough we'll be more resilient because we believe that yeah. we're tough because we've shown that we've been tough before. So it's important that we step back and recognize, Hey, I had a stutter and I was scared to talk to people. And now I ran for school president, spoke in front of my school and I won. Like I am yeah. strong. I'm perseverant. I can handle anything. And I think that's, that story was, I, I really enjoyed that one. There was another one I really liked that I did recently about a man who, when he was 11 years old, his mom became an alcoholic. And unfortunately, that left him homeless and hungry. So at 11 years old, he was sleeping in a dugout at a on a baseball field. And he was getting involved with criminal activity so he could afford food. He wasn't doing well in school. He was getting in fights because he was angry. And he, his only passion was football. And he figured, you know, after he, he played football in high school, and then after that, he'd end up dead in the streets or in jail. That was his plan. That was, that was the only hope he had for his future. But in high school, his... Football coach, they had an academic coach who was a volunteer who focused on the kids' academics on the football team. He said, you know, if you don't get your grades up, you can't play football. And because he loved football so much, he panicked. And he's like, oh, he said he was right heaping. Like, I have to play, I have to play. They said, well, get your grades up. So the next semester, he gets straight A's. Wow. And then the next semester of that, he gets straight A's again. And then the semester of that, he gets straight A's. And he goes, hold on, I mean, I'm pretty good at this whole school thing. He goes, maybe I should consider going to college. But he had no idea how a child in his circumstance would have the 
resources to go to college, Mm -hmm. but he kept putting in the work. And so people started stepping up for him. His coach in high school said, you know, any questions about colleges or or academics, I'll help you. A family uh, friend of his his mother found out about his living situation and said, come live with us. You can stay with us as long as you need. He got into a prestigious program over the summer for gifted students and a local church raised money so he could afford to go. And then he got an academic scholarship to go to college, but he, it still left with some tuition costs that were still room and board and other other costs associated with going to that school money. He's like, I can't afford it. And he had an aunt and uncle say, we believe in you, whatever it costs, we'll write the check because we want you, we want you to go to college. And so, I mean, he had a full academic scholarship or or not full, but most of it covered, but whatever was left, this, this aunt and uncle covered it. And then he worked his butt off and he ended up graduating and then becoming uh, going to law school and became a lawyer. And he became a criminal defense lawyer. And he often defends kids who are in similar situations that he was when, once in, kids who were acting out out of desperation. Oh my God. And what he said to me, and it, you know, I obviously, I didn't grow up homeless. I didn't grow up hungry. I didn't grow up doing things to survive. But what I related to, what I took from his story is, if you have a dream, if you have something that you want, you may not know exactly how you're going to get there. He didn't know how he'd get to college. He didn't know how he'd get the resources, how he'd get the money, how he'd get the opportunity. But he kept doing the work anyway. Yeah. So sometimes he said it's important that you have faith in where you're going, even if you don't know exactly how you'll get there. And the miracles will come. And if you believe that the resources will come, you'll be able to recognize them and accept them when they do. So for me, starting a business, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to, I'm here and I want to get all the way up there. I don't know how that's going to happen. But because of him, I'm reminded that I just have to have, keep working and have faith along the way. And things have happened where I'm like, whoa, whoa, like I didn't see this happening. And it helps and it helps me forward. And that story was really, really resonated with me, even though it was so different than the, the, the nuances of the story, the, the, his story, his path, his journey was so different than mine, but the lesson and the message I've really related to, and I think everyone can take something from his story. No, that's inc- man. I got I got chills all over the place talking about <laughs> these people, man. And so, and something I wanted to ask you too. So, just obviously, I'm learning about this as, as we talk here, but um, it sounds like this isn't a one way communication. Like it's not like someone writes an open letter and you're like, "Thanks, post done." It sounds like you. Like, yeah. So I, I actually I write it for them. <laughs> <laughs> so I ghostwrite all the letters. So I'll interview someone, and because writing was is something that is comes comes I don't want to say comes easily because it was actually my worst subject in high school. But for some reason I'm able to write as an adult. Um, I really worked on it in college, and I I really got a, became a much better writer in college. And um, so I will interview the people at least for our featured letters. I'll interview the people, and then I will use their words to write the letter for them, and then I'll send it to them, and they'll be like, Hey, can we change this? That letter that I did with Chris, the one about um, that he was homeless and hungry as a child, we really wrote that together. Like I was at the computer, he's texting me, we had this line, we had this person, change that here. And, and then we are on the phone and we're adding stuff on the phone. So we, it's really a, a joint effort. So I'm kind of like the vessel. Uh, I write it and I just make sure that it's, it's sound and easy for people to digest and their message and their story really gets highlighted and comes across clearly, but I use their words, their emotion, their heart, their sentiment, and they help. It's a process we do together to make sure that the, their message is conveyed effectively, effectively. And they're given the go ahead, um, you know, they're like, I love it. Nothing, it yeah. Nothing gets published until people say, I love it. You can publish it because 
I don't want to take someone's story away from them. And I don't want right. someone to put something out there where they don't feel comfortable with it. Right. So it's really about empowering people. So I can't empower people if I put something out there that they don't like. And there's been situations where we've done very heavy stories and they, the person thought they were ready to share. And then I wrote the letter and they were like, I'm not ready for this. And they, they changed their mind. And that's I, obviously I don't want that to happen, but that's right. okay too. Because right. that's part of it. That's part of the process. It's personal stories. It's emotional stories. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. And some people don't know until you say, hey, I'm about to publish. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, oh, it has okay. to be that, that moment. I mean, it's it's the internet. It's forever. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's like almost an infinite number of people that have the ability to read that. And it's a vulnerable moment. So that definitely, I, I can see where that. It's super vulnerable. I mean, and I went through that process sharing my letter. And when I published my letter and I posted on Twitter, I spent two months writing my letter, changing it, rewriting it. Like I really, this was a big deal for me to tell the story. It was something that I had held in for a really long time. By the time I wrote my letter, I told my family and close friends, but I mean, my ex-boyfriends didn't, like there was a lot of people that were significant people in my life that I hadn't told. And they weren't surprised because of certain behaviors and fears that I had, but they were like, okay, well, this all makes sense now. But there was a lot of people that did not know. So when I published the story, it was really like coming out in a way um, and, and really, and really, and I also was that girl that like, you know, I, I went to an Ivy League school. I was president of my class. I was a star athlete. Everyone thought my life was perfect. And I, I'm thankful for everything that I have. And, and, but I was going through something like I was struggling too, and nobody knew that no one saw that. And so for me to be able to be so transparent and put it out there, was a big deal. And when I saw people retweeting the story and I had athletes that I covered in the NFL writing, I got your back, you know, we support you. We love you. I'm just, I started crying. It was so emotional that I finally put this out there and I was getting so much love and so much support and people were reacting and connecting to the story and it meant something to people. Yeah. So it, it is emotional and it is a big deal. And the reaction and the support really hits a chord with, with hate a chord with me. And I think hits a chord with other people because it's, it's, it's act, the actual process of pain turning into power. No, that's when, I mean, with, with what you do, I don't think you could, you lead by example. I mean, by, by putting yourself out there and doing that, that gives, you know, power to the platform that you're providing for, for others. Yeah. You know, if you were just someone who, you know, I mean, I don't mean to offend you, but like, say I didn't know this happened and you were like, you know, a, a white girl went to an Ivy League school who's a sportscaster and like you were talking about how tough your life was, you know, it's like, uh, okay. You know what I mean? Like that may be perceived the wrong way. Right. But like you put yourself vulnerable out there. And what was that moment? Like when your mouse, your hand was on the mouse and you went to hit click, like what, what was that moment? Like, what did you expect? What did you think was going to happen next? Yeah. So, so my station actually tweeted it out initially on the, the station's website. So they were the one, and I was home at my, actually it was at my neighbor's apartment. I lived in an apartment building and I was at my neighbor's apartment who was my good friend. And I shared it, I, I they shared it and then I shared it on my Twitter and then right away people started sharing it. And I, I just, I'm not a crier, I'm not emotional and I started crying. I was like, it was, it was a release. It wasn't sadness, it wasn't joy. It was, you know, when I give my speech to kids I tell them to take a deep breath and hold it for 10 seconds and then let it out. That's what it felt like. It felt like I could breathe finally. It felt like I was holding in my breath 
for 10 years, or at that point it was longer, um, and that I could finally breathe. I was holding the, and you know, most, most challenges, like most of us, if we go through a disease or go through uh, a loss, most of our really painful events, people know about, people know you can share it and not feel shame. But for some reason with sexual assault, there's been such a stigma attached to it and a fear and, and women hold it in. And it's also a difficult thing to process. So it's something that I was struggling with and I was holding in. And when you hold something in, even if you did nothing wrong, it still creates a level of shame because you're hiding it. Why would you be hiding it if some, right. if you didn't do anything wrong? Right. And so when I, I let it out, it was almost like there was a skeleton in my closet for all these years, but it wasn't my skeleton. Right. I, I wasn't the one who did something wrong. Right. So I was basically taking that skeleton and saying, here world, let me give it back to who it belongs to. Cause I'm, I'm not to blame for this. Yeah, I had a drink. Yeah, I went to a party, but like that does not justify somebody exactly. drugging that's exactly it's right. It's like saying, yeah, she was wearing, she was wearing, you know, skimpy clothes. Yeah, she deserved and leaving me yeah, unconscious. Yeah, there, there's just no justification for that. So I felt like I finally was able to give the skeleton or put the skeleton back where it belongs, yeah. and it wasn't on me. And so that was, it was huge. And obviously, like after I did this, I changed my whole dream, my whole life plans, my whole, every. It really changed my life. I was free. I was empowered. I was, I, I felt strong. I felt stronger than I'd ever felt before because. Now all of a sudden I own my secret instead of my secret owning me. Yeah, I, I something that I really have given a lot of thought about too is I think if you look back in history, some of the most creative, you know, driven, inspirational people are people that have gone through some major shit in their lives. Yeah. And I think the ability to turn you know a negative event like that and flip it, not flip it, but like use that as a driving force to help others to to seek success to i obviously things like that you hope would never happen you know you, yeah you would hope the world would be rid of these things but someone like yourself i mean look at what that event what you've been able to do with that and the world uh, yeah, changing I mean, you know i don't want anyone to be sexually assaulted but at the same time i always think back like would i change my life if i could would i take away that moment if i could and i can't say that because I like who I am and it's a part of who I am. That's right. And so, but, but there's something that I tell kids that, that no matter what, everyone's going to go through something in life. And, and that's what makes life a journey. And that's what makes us grow. And that's what makes us learn and, and learn more about ourselves. And everyone's going to go through stuff. But we talk a lot in this, our society about post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the idea of having symptoms from triggers from past traumatic events. But what we don't talk about a lot, which is what you just described, is something called post-traumatic growth. And it is a real thing. It is a scientific psychological term. And it's the idea that after something traumatic happens, you actually end up better off, or not better off, stronger in some way, or more better in some facet than you were before the traumatic event. And 30 to 70% of people experience post-traumatic growth. And I think just knowing that is important because then you go through something hard and you don't think, okay, my whole life is over. I'm going to have PTSD forever and I'm going to be, but no, you can actually grow. And the way I describe it is if you think about an athlete, right? An athlete get, gets, gets the ball at the end of the game, the buzzers, it's t all tied up. They're, they're taking the shot from three point land uh, at, at the buzzer and they miss. So they just lost, they, they lost the game or it goes to overtime, whatever. They missed a shot at the buzzer and it cost their team the game. That's devastating. That yeah. sucks. Like, it's horrible. So now that player goes to that same spot where he missed the, or she missed that, that shot. And every day after practice, he keeps shooting. 
every day for six months. And all of a sudden, that's their that's the best that's their hot spot. That's yeah. where they go shoot every time now because they're now a better shooter at, from that spot than they were before they missed that shot at the buzzer. Yeah, that's post traumatic growth. That's that's the concept, and we've seen it happen with lots of people. I mean, Michael Jordan always used to say, "Any any where he had a weakness, he would turn it into a strength." That's crazy. Crazy that you just mentioned that because I'm listening to a book. It's called The Confidence Gap, and um, that's literally the example they use is Michael Jordan. Um, because I, I've been recently like really obsessed. Not recently, but like I'd say the past five six years, been obsessed with just mindset and try you know personal growth and development and just learning different strategies. And in the in the confidence gap, it's understanding your relationship with fear and motivations and um it goes right in hand i'd never heard of uh, post-traumatic growth so that's that's an interesting concept so yeah, ooh, and i had never heard it until someone told me during a story and i'm like excuse me can you say that again please <laughs> <laughs> well that was a little too nail on the head for me i mean like when you mentioned it to me i'm like wow you just yeah. described me okay um yeah <laughs> so in the book though it, it, it's that's exactly right is too many of us want to like talk about maybe our strengths and just live in the world of our strengths, but like find your weakness and work on that. And that's where really you can find yeah. that, you know, take your, take your life to the next level, not even just in sports, you know, if yeah. like, like you said, um, I don't need, like, this was my worst subject. It was the only honors class I didn't get into freshman year and I was so pissed. <laughs> there you go. See, that's exact. And I, I love the idea of just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't want to sound like, harsh when I say this, but the idea, I know so many people that like at 25, they were just like, all right, well, this is it. You know, I, I found my job the rest of my life and I'm just going to do this, you know, and it's like, th there's no, but growth. everyone's there's different. No, everyone is different. That's right. But I just think that just be open-minded, you know, like oh, learn, yeah. learn a new skill, learn a new, just get a new hobby, like just something yeah. that like, it is easy to be safe, and I understand why people seek comfort. I mean, it's in our brains. Yeah. It's we were designed that way, right? I mean, if if you you know were just you know in disbelief of the the real the harsh reality of the world, and you walked out, you get eaten by a saber toothed tiger, right? I mean, it's like there's we're, we're wired to you know seek safety, but I mean, yeah. if I did that, like I just know how much better my life has become over the past five or six years because I've just been you know that, that growth mindset. I did a story with a Holocaust survivor, and so she she was, and then she escaped um, the Holocaust when she was a little girl. But then she came here, and she had a husband that died. Then she had a daughter that died. Then she had cancer. Then her, it was just like one tragedy up next. And I'm talking to her, and she's like the happiest person. She's like eighty something years old, or maybe even older, and she's the happiest person in the world. And I'm like, I'm sorry, how are you so happy? Like, can you explain this to me? And she goes. You know, life is hard and there are challenges, but you gotta keep living. So go take that dance class. You're sad, go to lunch with your friends. Continue living and that's how you stay alive. That's how through these challenges, you keep growing and you keep enjoying life is by continuing to live. Because if I stay at home all day, every day, yeah, I'd be pre pretty sad about all these bad things that happen in my life, but I keep living and I keep finding new ways to enjoy life. And the thing you mentioned about fear, I actually have given some talks to some, um, sports teams about going out about fear. And I start the speech off by saying, when I interviewed Jerry Rice, I was 23 years old and he tells me, the reason I ran so fast is because I ran scared. And I'm like, Rance, what are you talking about? You're Jerry Rice, like you're the NFL's leader in like career touchdowns, receptions and receiving yards. Like 
you ran scared but it, and what i didn't realize and what i've learned since is that you can't be fearless without feeling fear so he was he was so scared to lose that or, or fail or whatever that he used that as he turned that into determination yeah that's, right that's so, exactly what this book i'm reading is talking yeah. about they, it's like, so, they talk about like uh athletes or you know high performing people the relationship with fear is it may manifest as you hear them say i'm pumped up or, yeah. yeah 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 so what i say is you can't be fearless without having fear so fear is what you feel when you don't know what's ahead you don't know if you're gonna win that game you don't know if you're gonna if, if someone else is gonna tackle you tackle you on your way to, to trying to score a touchdown you don't know I don't know what's going to happen in my future. I don't know if I'm going to make this business work or not, or if it's going to reach the heights that I want it to do. But fearless is how you act and you use determination to find out. So yeah. fear is the feeling of like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's what people feel. That's what people feel when they feel fear. It's like, oh my God, am I going to die? What's going to happen? Like yeah. they fear. But fearless is feeling that fear and use, and being determined and moving forward anyway. Yeah, that's so the beginning of the book. Yeah, he says, People mistake the idea of fearlessness as the absence of fear, but it's your relationship with fear and moving forward yeah. with that acknowledgement of it. You know, it's um, and being like, I'm gonna work hard. Like I, yeah. like I say, fear is my boss. Fear is why I work every day for 12 hours a day. Fear is why I'm constantly trying to think of new strategies. Fear is why I am always promote. It's why I work so hard because I'm scared yeah. that I'm gonna lose my company if I don't. If I go to the beach, you know, for the weekend instead of working. I'm scared that what's that, what's going to happen to my company. Yeah. I don't have a boss that's saying clock in, but I'm working. I had a um, <laughs> this is a funny like a thing in the book they say is you know like a, like acknowledging your fear. You know that's that's the technique is you know understand that fear is you know relevant and it's present in basically everything that you do if you're going to live outside your comfort zone. And one of the techniques yeah. is like say I don't know you're scared of crossing the street or I don't know and you're like you're gonna get hit by a car like you won't cross the street because you're scared to hit by a car well one of the techniques is to sing whatever that is whatever that voice is telling you sing happy birthday like something uh, that you, see, like, you know what I mean so like yeah get yeah hit by the car and then it just kind of like dissipates that fear in a way or it's and another one is like think of a cartoon character telling you that like Homer Simpson saying I'm gonna get hit by a car you know and yeah I did, um, so I had a triathlon on Sunday, and um, it was my first open water swim and race of the year, and oh. um, I mean, open water triathlon swimming is terrifying, and it was 44 degrees, the water was in the low 60s, you know, you jump in the water, and you're, you just you seize up, you know, it's, you can't really breathe, and I, you know, compete for Team USA at the amateur level, um, so cool. and I should have no fear of swimming in an open water race because I've done hundreds of them. But every yeah. race, I'm freaking terrified that I'm going to drown. Aww. You know, but I was yeah. I used that technique. I was standing there in the yeah. dock getting ready to jump in the water on Sunday. And, and in my head, I had Homer Simpson, you know, telling me that I was going to drown. You know, <laughs> it's so stupid. Homer but is a, oh, my gosh. It, it helps, though. You know, it's... Um, yeah. It, so, I, I mean... I think you have to find what works for you. It's yeah. the same thing with coping. You have to find coping mechanism. My biggest fear was starting my company. My dad thinks that like I'm I'm Wonder Woman. Like he thinks that if I flap my arms hard enough, I'm gonna fly. Like my dad just thinks so highly of me, and I know that. And I know it's 
all coming from a place of love and um, just being a great dad, right? But at the end of the day, I'm like, what if I fail and I prove him wrong? Like, I'll be exposed. Like, if I don't make this company work, then like, he's wrong. And I don't want him to think he's wrong. I want him to be right. And so I, when I was first started my company, I was like really stressed. And like, I wasn't like taking any breaks. Like, I was like, not stop. And he's like, you need to eat. And I'm like, dad, I'm just so scared. And he's like, what are you scared of? I'm like, to be honest, I'm scared of disappointing you. I'm scared that I'm not going it's, to, it's not going to do well. And, and then I'm not going to be as great as you think I am. And he said to me, the only thing that can disappoint me is a bad attitude. You wake up every day with a positive attitude and I'm happy and I'm proud. And that gave me so much freedom, right? I can control waking up with a good attitude. I can't control my other things, but I can control waking up and say, today I'm going to do a good job. Today is going to be a good day. And because of that, because I wake up every day with a positive attitude because I don't want to let down my dad, it actually helps me do better. You know, you wake up thinking somebody's going to sign up today or someone's going to do th- this is going to happen today. Well, then you keep working until it happens because you believe it's actually going to happen. Yeah. If you don't believe it's going to happen, then you're like, I'm going to stop trying. This is pointless. Right. So that positive attitude in turn, I think, has helped me become more successful. But my dad says the success doesn't matter. It's the attitude that's important. So it becomes a, a relationship. So that's what helped me is is my dad telling me that and saying, it was such a gift. I always like, thank you, dad, again, for being like great dad, <laughs> you know, Mr. Wonderful father. That's awesome. I love that. And um, yeah, I mean, having the support like that has to be, you know, uh, just so, so are they in, where do they live? Are they still in New York? So they, they're in New Jersey. They live okay. in New Jersey. Um, so I haven't seen them in over a year because of the pandemic. So that's been hard. But yeah. I mean, my mother is, she, she unfortunately lost her job during the pandemic. So now she has a full-time job at a zero salary working for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Put her to work while you can, right? <laughs> yeah. And she's, but, but it's so cool. Like I've gotten closer to my mom because, and we were close before, but she's, you know, she called me and she goes, should we do this? Should we do that? And people always say it's so hard to work with your family. It's not really hard when they do anything you tell them to do. <laughs> like, That's the trick. You got to figure out the secret. Put that in your next Yeah, like it's not, it's not hard when she's like, what do you need me to do next? I used to do this, 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 hey, can you do this? It's not hard. Um, but yeah, so my mom helps me and my dad is just very, uh, very encouraging. He's always been, and he he's believed in me so much that he's convinced me to believe in myself. And that's been that way for a long time. I. I like he always used to say to me, you're the best, you're the best. And if someone tells you that enough, you just start to believe it. Right. You know, <laughs> like you start to believe like I can do that. I can do that. If I, I'll figure it out. I'm smart. I'm capable. And he just reinforced that throughout my whole childhood that I was capable and competent and, and anything I wanted to do, I could do it. And whatever I wanted to do, he wanted me to do. If I want to start my company, he wants my car to start. I was gonna say he learned his mistake by not inviting you to that hockey game when you were six years old, and then from there. Yeah, he did. He did mess up there. That was that was. <laughs> but he learned, and, and then he always used to tell people. And I wrote a letter about my dad, and I put this in the letter that you know he tells people. My dad's a lawyer. He's like, I have come across the scariest judges in the world, and the meanest judges in the world. But the only person who scares me is my daughter. And he, but he was saying that I was tough and strong and he was always proud of that. You know, he didn't raise me to be passive or to be, you know, to, to step in line. He, st- he raised me to be outspoken and stand up for myself and go after what I want and be fearless and, and have a little attitude along the way. Well, he did so a hell of a job. Felt- 
Because after yeah, yeah. 15 minutes of talking to you, I also now believe that you are Superwoman. So <laughs> keep your arms down because you. you might fly through the ceiling or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you uh, another question about the Unsealed. So is there like is there like a cadence or like do you do a letter a week or a month or like how I do you do yeah, I try to do a letter every Tuesday and Friday, and Thursdays are conversations. So I try to keep that schedule. Sometimes, you know, things happen, and I, I doesn't work out that way. But that's generally what what I do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, Tuesdays and Fridays, and then and then Thursday is our our conversation nights. Um, and then I post sometimes stuff in between of members submitting stuff, and we're doing a writing contest now, five hundred dollar prize. So once we get all the contestants. Um, we're going to post the top 10 and then anyone else who enters, we can post their stories, but we might edit it just for clarity. Um, we just want to make sure all the writing on there is something that's digestible and people can understand. And, and so we might make minor edits on those. So we're going to have members be able to submit stuff. And so we post that too, but the featured content, I try to do two week plus a conversation on Thursday nights. Um, and then we post video too. We post other types of content. Um, I posted a few poems that I wrote when I was younger. So there's other stuff on there as well. Um, so yeah, so I try to keep a little bit of a schedule. Um, there's a newsletter that goes out uh, three to four times a week, so you, people can subscribe and get those newsletters. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of a schedule, and I try to stick with it to stay disciplined um, mm -hmm. and just have something that people can rely on. And this is all through the website. It's like it's all centrally located through the website. Yeah, just... yeah, everything goes through the unsealed.com. Um, I haven't really. I started to explore like podcast YouTube, but I was getting so many more visitors on the site than I was getting anywhere else. I'm like, why am I spending time getting five hits right. on a podcast or YouTube when I'm getting half a million hits on my website? Right. If it so, ain't broke, don't fix it. Maybe we can yeah. get to a million and a half in three now. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and the other part of it too is like you really have to gauge your time. Like it, it doesn't take, it, it, it's it's not a big deal to post uh, on this thing or that thing, but everything takes time. So you'll spend yeah. so much time stretching yourself thin and if it's really not adding that much value, well then you just took away from time to write or find a story or do something that's adding more value than that. Because everyone's like, oh, it doesn't take some of that much time to do this or do that. I'm like, yeah, but it still takes time. Right. And I'm when I was trying to, get on every single platform, YouTube, TikTok, whatever else is out there. I spend so much time trying to like spread myself on all these different platforms yeah. that I came around. I was like, oh no, I didn't write a letter this week. Like, yeah. like the actual fundamental base of my business, I didn't have time for because I was trying to do everything else. So, you know, I'm, I'm basically, I have, I have someone helping me now, but I'm basically a one man show, one person doing it full time. Mm -hmm. So I have to be um, mindful of that and figure out where my time is best suited. No, that's, um, I completely, I, I mean, I can, I can, I can, you know, um, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say, but I under, sympathize, empathize with you because yeah. same thing. I mean, and I have a full-time job, so yeah, and, and triathlon training, full-time job. And I've really like oh. gone all in on YouTube. I, I, because I'm trying to, I do like a daily vlog and kind of stuff to follow my, you know, triathlon endeavors and all that stuff. But like oh. you said, no one sees what goes on behind the scenes. There's, yeah. People just see what you present, but all the work that goes yeah. on behind it, you know. But, oh, and it's work. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> well, I um, we're going to put the link in the show notes, so anyone who's listening, um, you will have the link in the website, and then you can uh, follow Lauren on, what are we going to put, your Twitter? Um, what, what, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm the easiest person in the world to find. 
<laughs> make it even message easier. me say hello send, say what's up if you if you guys are listening i always answer my messages you can send it on instagram facebook just you know, message me say hi say you heard the interview and you said the uh that so that 500 dollars contest that you're doing right now did you want to 500 dollars writing contest you just have to write an open letter to the world about adversity you faced and how you can overcome it and what's your advice for other people? You do have to be a member, but you, the membership is at a price of your choosing. So you can sign up for as little as $3 a month and then you can cancel it whenever you want. So it's pretty pretty cheap and pretty uh, easy. You have access to your account so you can switch it anytime you want. And yeah, and, and because only members can apply or can submit, we don't have like thousands and thousands of entries. In fact, right now we only have one. So, so your chances of winning 500 are pretty good. <laughs> Hit it up, guys. Let's go. Let's uh, go. Its deadline is July first. Okay, so still time. time. Hey, you want to get yeah, it in early, though. You want to get it in early. Yes, yes. Because right now, I think we all, there's one person is is not necessarily winning a hundred five hundred dollars. Being given on five hundred dollars. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Warren, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, and I really appreciate you taking the time. And what you do is just simply incredible. You're an amazing woman. I mean. Thank Obviously, you. you can tell that your energy is just contagious, you know, from Aww. from tape to tape. You just let's go. I love it. I mean, it's you want to show yourself with more people like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I had to have that first first sports casting. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I'm sure you did an amazing job. And um, anything else that we didn't cover or any like last word that you maybe want to, you know, oh, I just I just hope everyone always recognizes the power and um, superpowers in themselves. We all have superpowers. So. Enjoy them. Yeah. Easy to see coming them. from Superwoman over here. <laughs> no, we're all super we're all superheroes. <laughs> we're all the hero we're all the heroes in our own lives. And then when we share our stories, we inspire someone to find the hero in themselves. Well you have a great thing going. I absolutely love it and um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time here. And Oh no, my uh, pleasure. Really looking forward to, you know, following your progress and obviously you're so super successful now, but just can't wait to see the levels that you get to in the future. Thank you so much, you too. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for joining, everybody. I really appreciate it. And give it up for Lauren.